divide and conquer is a war tactic that you need to become aware of. It's a methodology which lures you, your energy, your focus, your attention, so you don't realize that you're being coerced to participate in the energy of hate, anger, fear, and rage. And when we are in those emotional states, we are disempowered. So I'm going to bring to light all the different ways that this tactic is utilized, both in personal relationships and now what is happening globally. Just before I get on to explaining this, I just wanted to let everybody know that I have officially launched my membership community on an uncensored platform called MeWe. And I'm so grateful that so many like-minded people who watch my videos, who understand the significance and the importance of all the topics that revolve around narcissistic abuse, I'm so glad that we can join in this safe space where we can freely share and express ourselves. I'll share a link below and it's by donation. So if you'd like to support me and my work, I'd really appreciate that. Thank you. I'm also doing personal one-on-one -on -one mentoring for those of you who feel you'd benefit with more personal attention. And I'm also in the process of constructing a Patreon account because I envisage that my channel, my work, my videos, everything will be restricted even more as I step up to this next level of disclosure. Divide and conquer is a common strategy used by narcissists, psychopaths in personal relationships. It's also used in groups, organizations, and I want to bring this method to your awareness because it's being used against humanity right now. The amount of conflict, disagreements and hatred and groups that are for and against, for example, vaccinations, 5G, in politics, it's exhausting. And you probably are fast realizing the wisdom of disengaging from heated debates where people are intent on misunderstanding you or intentionally misinterpreting your message just for the sake of being right. You can literally feel yourself weakening and when you take sides, it's a false sense of power. It's a fake empowerment. So I'm going to unpack this strategy of divide and conquer so you understand, become familiar with recognizing it so you don't fall prey to these covert form of manipulation that appears superficially like it's empowering, like you fighting and arguing and trying to convince the opposition that you have the truth. Remember that the goal of divide and conquer is to work both sides up into a heightened emotional frenzy. And this, of course, causes polarization. It solidifies a dualistic and limited view. And you can see this being used by mainstream media. It's used on social media with trolls and hackers intentionally infiltrating both groups, leaving provocative statements, spreading misinformation, and then standing back and enjoying the show. And to both groups on both sides, it creates a torturous, frustrating energy. It is a form of pain. So let me put this out there. Remember that sadists take pleasure in your pain. This is how the use of this warring tactic used against humanity is clearly seen as a hey, sadistic move. I just move. found the coolest thing and I want... This
This strategy is used on many levels. For example, if you're in a relationship with a narcissist, they will intentionally cause conflict to divide the family, to cause separation between children. They'll force you to take sides against your loved ones. And they do this to gain control. It also diverts you from what they're really up to. The conflict detracts from you noticing their malevolent agenda. It's preferable to make you feel disabled, to traumatize you, destroy your sanity, make you feel incoherent and uncertain. But when you think about it, nobody wants to unnecessarily fight. Most people are peace-loving. They want harmony, cooperation. It's comforting to be in a group where people feel supported, and this is how issues are resolved respectfully. And conflicts can be resolved when you remember to focus on the group's common objective. But that's not what the narcissist wants. Peaceful resolution is not the objective of a tyrannical organisation. Remember that the tactic of divide and conquer is used by oppressors whose aim is to continue their oppression, to divide you and to keep you focused on your religious, economical, social, educational differences. Peace and harmony does not support their agenda. They need to propagate uncertainty, confusion, conflict in order to divide and conquer, thus feel powerful in their ability to do so. So causing conflict, provoking you, triangulating, emotionally triggering you, poking sticks at your vulnerabilities, publicly humiliating, amplifying agitation, this all has a purpose. You need to step back and see it. When they plot against you, for example, gossip and spread hateful rumours behind your back, tell one person one thing and then tell a different version of events to another person within your family, a group, a church, an organisation. That's all to create division, not unity amongst members. They instinctively understand the significance of the words, united we stand, divided we fall. They thrive when two sides are opposing one another, attacking, blaming, hating. All of this conflict is great for those who stand behind the curtain with a satisfied smirk on their face. It's very gratifying to indirectly lower the status of a rival because this affirms their superiority, cunningness and ability to exploit. This basically validates how weak, blind and intellectually inferior you are and your intensified reactions confirm it. And also remember that their image needs to stay clean. They need to appear innocent, unassuming, and fakely concerned. Divide and conquer is used to control because in our division, we are at war with one another. We do not see the covert saboteur, the underlying agenda, which is to weaken us, to divert our hatred toward the opposition. When we do that, it means that our attention, energy and focus is aimed at who they've pointed the stick at as our rival. So all of that outrage, disgust, anger is toward the other side. But once both sides wake up, and this only happens if we are able to disengage and even momentarily agree to disagree. If we're able to suspend our judgment, maybe consider that our perception has been manipulated. Consider what if we've both been fed half-truths, deliberately misinformed. 
if people on both sides of the opposition realise we are both suffering, if we can stop and recognise some commonality, perhaps like the fact that each side wants peace, we all want to be healthy, prosperous, have freedom, if we can find common ground in our humanity, in that moment we may be able to see we've been set up, we've both been deceived, exploited, we didn't know we were being used like puppets, objects in a very strategized agenda. And this is when we will realize the exponential strength in our unity. A pathologically controlling, narcissistic, psychopathic system, and I'm talking about medical, justice, governmental, that are based on profiteering, off our suffering, confusion, fear. These systems do not want opposing sides to unite. Unity is a threat to their control. That's why throughout time, humanity has been divided. Men against women, Christians against Protestants, whites against blacks, Southerners against people in the North. It's just ridiculous when you look at the division of humanity, this division between all humans. When we forget we all have the same needs, wants and human rights, when we wake up to the fact that, yes, we have been intentionally manipulated to focus only on our differences and understand how this creates hatred and disdain toward humanity, when we need to do the opposite, we need to embrace our humanity and stop rejecting it. Humans are not the problem and humans are not the virus. The malevolent programming that has infiltrated us is the virus and the problem. The powers that be are very afraid that they're losing their grip of their pathological control. Whatever side you're on with whichever argument and whatever opposing view you have, what we have in common is that we are all losing our human rights. You need to know that this is why fear has intentionally been amplified. And what is the antidote to fear? Is it not love? Can we be mindful and still communicate our truth from a place of assertiveness and clarity instead of aggression and hatred? Let's remember that we all have been deceived. We've all been brainwashed in one way or another. And all of us are slowly waking up to certain truths. And wherever you're at is relevant for you and your development. So let's remember to honour that. We take back our power when we don't buy into division, when we choose to step back and not get enmeshed in yet another web of deceit and instead focus on what unites us. We're now being called to step into unity consciousness. So just be mindful when you're being invited back into that dualistic view, back into engaging in polarity, as if there's only two solutions. What if there are infinite solutions that we will never have access to because we're so focused on being right and making the other person wrong? Speak your truth. Share what you know with courage and this will attract the right people to you. And remember that anything or anyone that's still obstructing the truth from surfacing, who stands in the way of the lies being exposed, will not be able to withstand the light that will be shunned on this darkness because the forces of darkness cannot stop what the universe or God has ordained. Please remember that love is greater than fear.
And I might sound crazy to those who struggle receiving what I'm saying, but I'm telling you this from the standpoint of victory. The reality is that truth doesn't require defending and time has a way of revealing truth. And I want to leave you with this beautiful quote. Three things cannot be hidden. The sun, the moon and the truth. The narcissist and their smear campaign against you. If you're being smeared by a narcissist, what they do and how you can help yourself. The smear campaign is the narcissist protection as they lie to others about what we've been doing to them, which indeed is most often precisely what they did to us. The smear campaign is when a narcissist wants to destroy you any way they can. When they can no longer control you, they will try to control how others see you through exaggeration, twisting the story of what they did to you you did to them lies slander spreading rumors and many more the narcissist uses their smear campaign so they can keep their toxic behaviors hidden so we look like we are jealous and either wanting the narcissist back or we're wanting to seek revenge on the narcissist they use the smear campaign to make us look like we're crazy or obsessed with them they will either play the hero that tried so hard to help us who are often left we are often left looking and acting depressed and left a former shell of our who we used to be or they'll be playing the victim of how we'll no longer allow them to see their children or that we abuse them they'll exploit others by using their empathy against them and they'll be telling all those who will listen everything that they did to us only they'll be making out to others that we did it to them so that they can shift the blame and walk free from any form of responsibility. They will often tell those who will gossip first to spread their manipulative lies further. They will be twisting the story to play the victim and gain the attention in any way they can. Often they will describe what they actually did to us. A narcissist will most often blame those around them for what's gone wrong within their own lives. Um, Not often, but some will say that the ex abuse them. Most will go for the ex is crazy. The ex will not let them go. The ex stalks them. The ex might very well be doing those kinds of things. And due to the trauma bond and the fact that most narcissists just up and leave, then often they do this with no closure. There is always more than one side to a story. There are also screenshots. And when all the exes are crazy, we have to ask ourselves, what is the common denominator? Just like a leopard will not change its spots, a narcissist will never change their ways. Their lies, yes. Their partners, yes. Their masks, yes. Change their ways, no. They have a disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, and it is who they are. The smear campaign is a method the narcissist uses so that they can escape any accountability. They can often start the smear campaign before the relationship is even over and we often have no idea it's even happening. They can be triangulating us with family and friends without us even knowing. Nobody ruins a special occasion like a narcissist not being the centre of attention as many a narcissist believes they are special and requires excessive attention. So if the occasion isn't about them, 
they can go all out to ruin it, to either make us feel anger, resentment, frustration before we even hit the event. And then once there, the narcissist will become the life and the soul of the party while we look fed up. And they'll be telling everyone how that we didn't want to go. The, they'll be the events that we know nothing about. And the narcissist will have blamed us in some way for why we didn't turn up to an important family celebration. And this all helps with their smear campaigns. You might be having a conversation with someone who brings up an event that you knew nothing about. And if you ask the narcissist about it, they'll either lie about it or they'll lie some more. Often the first we know about a smear campaign is long after it started. Um, things like our bosses calling us up over the phone because they've received some lies from the narcissist that we then have to explain away. Their friends and family cutting us off or our friends and family cutting us off. Narcissistic people will go all out to isolate us from any form of support. The narcissist can smear you to their and your friends and family. A narcissist throughout the relationship will most likely be trying to get your friends and family on their side before they discard you. With neighbours, we all know what a narcissist can be like inside the home, yet outside they might be charming all those neighbours into thinking how wonderful they are and how negative you are. Some will also be trying to move in with the single neighbour just to cut you a little deeper. Children, if you have children together, most narcissistic people do not co-parent, they counter-parent any game or, game or stunt they can pull to get at you. They don't care for the damage they cause to the children's minds so long as they are getting at you. They know your children are your biggest weakness and they will use your biggest weaknesses against you, no matter what that weakness is, to provoke you more. They will smear you to new partners. They'll be painting you out to be crazy, depressed, abusive, and they will try to provoke you any way they can so that your actions match their stories and they can gain the sympathy of the new partners. With work, they could have been making snide comments about your work colleagues or your boss to you to create a hostile environment at work for you. As you begin to doubt those people you work with, some even go again to the extent of calling the workplace and they can also do it under the false pretense of trying to help you. Often in obvious ways they are trying to destroy you and although it's obvious to you it's not obvious to work colleagues or bosses court a favorite smear tactic game of a narcissist is to further emotionally and financially abuse through the court system either excessive divorce proceedings or child custody custody arrangements, always breaking court orders, using whatever they can against you, lies, exaggerations, and furthering their smear campaign to sink you. Some lies they might use in their smear campaign. They might say you have a drinking problem, which many a person who's been in a narcissistic relation, often due to anxiety, can turn to drinking. The narcissist will happily exaggerate. And so those close, the narcissist version of events will look believable because the narcissist will completely miss out the part that they played. They never explain how they provoke people. The narcissist will only ever 
discuss how you reacted. Most victims blame themselves um, and they will start a conversation and it would usually begin with, if I hadn't, they wouldn't, due to the narcissist gaslighting words of telling people, if you hadn't, then they wouldn't. A narcissist only wants to discuss what the other person did wrong, what you did wrong. They might say you have gambling issues, go into the bookies. And if you like the odd bet, they'll exaggerate as to how you've blown all their money. If you've gained a little weight, they'll blame it on your addictions to eating, to because you've um, most people do turn to comfort eating, not everybody, but they will then blame it on addictions to spending their money to order and take away food. As they'll have already told people that you no longer take care of them, the children or the home, long before the relationship is over. And often with things like anxiety, depression and CPTSD, you might be struggling. The narcissist will not tell people how they helped you stroll, only how they tried their best to try and help you but they just had to walk away often the narcissist will have walked straight into the arms and home and family life of another playing the victim of how you didn't care for them or jealous of the new relationship will not allow them to see the children even though they've not even bothered to ask how those children are. And while you're left picking up the pieces for the children, the narcissist will happily start court proceedings so that they can continue their smear campaign and abuse through the family cause. Two, money. Again, they can abuse you financially through the family courts. They, through the divorce courts, they will tell people that they've worked hard every single day to provide for the family, that they had to leave the home they own for the sake of the children having a roof over their heads. Only the narcissist never owned that home. Just like they will inform the new supply after you that they owned your home. Yet the narcissist will claim they did the right thing by leaving you there. Nobody falls in love faster than a narcissist needing somewhere to live. If the narcissist owns the home, they'll do all they can to get you out of it while lying to the other about how you're a gold digger or a leech, how you spent all their money. Anything you were lucky enough to buy, the narcissist will claim that they brought it for you. The narcissist will either not work and sponge off you while twisting the story to those around them or ask for you not to work and then barely give you enough money to survive financial abuse. Again, if you've been with a narcissist, you'll probably already know they tried to bleed you dry. I shall add financial abuse video at the end of this one in the, I'll add it in the description. The narcissist will tell people that you're crazy, that something is wrong with you. They might say things like, you've got mental issues. I've tried to help, but they'll not listen. I don't know what else I can do. Yet again, they entirely miss out what they've done to drive you that way and are indeed talking about themselves. They will happily discuss times you've reacted. Some will even get you in to see the doctors or counsellors claiming to help you while it's all supporting their smear campaign against you. 
once you wake from all the narcissist hideous gaslighting, the more you try to point out to those people the narcissist has already got their version of events across to that it's them and not you, the crazier we end up looking. Let's face it, it's hard enough for us that have lived it to wrap our heads around it. So those who haven't have the narcissist lies which we once fell for. And if we don't get our emotions in check, which is how a narcissist manages to abuse us and narcissistic abuse can cause brain damage so it's difficult to begin with to get our emotions back in check so those people will also often have our behavior matching their toxic words um which is why staying out of the smear campaigns is your best line of defense. It's difficult as it's human nature to want to defend ourselves and set the story straight. Yet with a narcissist manipulation of others, when we do our actions often match their words. When we don't, their words are just smoke without fire. Sometimes no response is the best response. And people don't always like this as they feel... Um, they feel like staying silent turns them into a narcissist or narcissistic behavior. And I always say, treat people how you want to be treated. Then if they cannot treat you that way in return, communicate with them the only way they understand, the way they do to you. Silence or I'm sorry you feel that way. They do these things to hurt people, to confuse people, to gaslight people. We do these things to heal ourselves from all the abuse that they put us through. They will talk to anyone who will listen and the lies those narcissists tell are their truths. The narcissist will make stuff up. You said about them behind their back. They will triangulate. They will divide and conquer. If you've been with a narcissist, you know they are extremely jealous and envious of all others and happily talk about them behind their backs. Again, they are often describing themselves, their thoughts and their feelings. What people say about others says more about themselves than it ever will about that other person. They will happily twist the story and their story will be their truth. They will claim you cheated on them, you lied to them, you hurt them, you abused them, you stole from them, you never helped them, you don't give them any love or attention, you were never there for them. How they tried time and time again to help keep the family together as they believe they are special and they require excessive attention. Even when you're walking on eggshells, doing all you can for them, it is never enough for a narcissist. As they want power and success, they want to be in control. If they feel they are losing control of you, they will go all out to blame you. As they lack in cognitive reflection skills, their lives often become their lives. Their lies often become their truths. They will tell others all you all you did to them. Um, only they'll be saying everything that they did to you. They anything and everything they've done to you, they will twist it straight back round into what you did to them. So they will go all out for provoking you any way they can, using your insecurities, using your fears, using your weaknesses to get those reactions from you to match their lies. And they will always miss out that first part. So 
if they were abusive physically, they will claim that you were abusive physically. If they were abusive mentally, they will claim that you were abusive mentally. They will tell people how badly you treated them. They, If they financially abused you, which I believe it's 96% of abusive relationships, don't quote me on that, has financial abuse. So if they financially abused you, they will be telling people how you financially abused them. They will be telling people how you did not let them have any money, how you did not let them have their say, how you did not let them have any friends, how you always stalked their phone, which you may have done. If you suspected they were cheating, plenty of people will stalk their phones to try and get the answers, to try and get the closure, to try and get reality because you've got your instincts telling you one thing and a narcissist telling you something completely different. Um, they might be telling people how you didn't look after the children or you didn't look after the home, which again might have happened to some who end up with anxiety and depression due to the narcissist gaslighting and manipulation. We can end up not taking care of ourselves anymore. If you look at those before and after photos, um, before, during and after a narcissistic relationship, you can see in people's faces just the effects it has on the physical appearance as well as mentally. They can tell people how you were not showing them enough affection, how you've been locking them out of the house, which again, you might have done out of fear. They will give a long, long list while making out how good they were at putting up with you. They will claim that you don't let them see the children, which again might be the case if safeguarding is too great. They will tell all the things that they did to you, yet they will twist the fact that you did it to them. Or they'll tell how you reacted while missing out the part of what they did in the first place to cause your reactions. You cannot stop a smear campaign before they begin as most often we haven't even worked out what they are even doing. So what can you do if you are in the midst of a smear campaign? The best response is to ignore it all. It's hard when everyone seems to be talking about you and the narcissist wants your reactions to help with their lies. By giving no reaction, people soon find something else to gossip about. The fact you've not even paid any attention to the smear campaign will anger the narcissist. They know it works best when you react as you may appear to look crazy and match the narcissist's slanderous words. So if you can rise above and heal yourself, the narcissist will You can and you will walk free. Any evidence you have those you've been smeared to especially in the workplace and if possible in front of the narcissist as no one throws a bigger tantrum than Or if the narcissist is lying about things you or someone else has said, if possible, ask the narcissist about it in a safe environment with all parties involved there. So all parties involved in the triangulation present. Um, 
Because the narcissist will then have to squirm their own ways out of it and will often hang themselves getting caught up in lies. But let people make their own minds up. It's easy to get caught up in wanting to defend ourselves and explain things. The narcissist will have forced their opinion onto other people without actual evidence. And you can show them and let them make their own minds up. If people ask you, remember often they just want to get gossip. Just say, yes, they're my past. I'm looking towards my future now. Um, Yes, they always like to control how people think. I know they tell lies. I'm just not interested anymore. Um, And it often can stop people from spreading gossip. You can add if the police are involved or the courts are involved, just add that you can't talk about it. The police are looking into it all. Or the, wow, this is fascinating. Almost movie-like. I'm on the edge of my seat. Please tell me what I did next. Gossips usually get confused by this response as they are looking for more gossip from you. Do not defend yourself to others. What other people think about you is not for you. Do not defend yourself to others. It doesn't work. The narcissist gets in there first. People asking questions are only interested in more gossip. Instead, concentrate on helping yourself heal. There will always be people who gossip. Um, They... That's who they are. It's what they want to do. Narcissists cannot change. People want to gossip. But you can walk away and you can live your life how you want to live it. You do not need to get involved. I know it's difficult when your emotions are running on a high and you're full of hypervigilance and full of self-doubt. But moving on with your life is the best way to handle a smear campaign. When people see how much happy you are without the narcissist, they will then make their own judgment call. And if that judgment call doesn't match yours, it doesn't matter. Keep your mind focused on your life, the things you can sort out, the things you can do, the things that you can help yourself with. Keep your mind on your future, not your past. With some of those narcissistic games and lies that they do, try and find the funny side and laugh it off. And I know that's difficult, but laughter really is an excellent medicine. So with some of their games, try and laugh it off. Others that are a lot more serious or severe, talk to people who understand and support you. Call the authorities. If you need support, only talk to really good friends that you trust or online help to recover. Do not talk about it to those who believe the narcissist lies, who's blaming you and believing them. You know better than anybody. Uh, Even if you've got that self-doubt now, start writing it out. Start writing out your truths, your realities, listening to your instincts. You know better than anybody how a narcissist can lie and manipulate. So don't hate people who believe them. They've just been used by the narcissist. Unfortunately, they will learn in their own time just how toxic the narcissist is. And we cannot show them people have to learn for themselves. Remember to stop reacting emotionally to the narcissist. You have to become emotionally 
unpredictable to those trying to pull your emotions. Do not let them know that things are bothering you. Hard, yes, but narcissistic people thrive off drama. They thrive off attention. If they're not getting no reaction, they may switch tactics. The less you pay attention to their games in the smear campaign, the less you play into their hands, the less you have to deal with the less they have to twist and use against you and the more they will look to find attention elsewhere and leave you alone the best response is to ignore it all it's hard when everyone seems to be talking about you and the narcissist wants your reaction to help with their lies by giving no reaction and this applies in a court of law as well it's difficult um because you need to defend yourself in a court of law. But a narcissist will be in that court trying to provoke you to react, trying to get your emotional state of mind out, trying to get you to defend yourself to look crazy. The less reactions you can give and the calmer you can stay, the more the narcissist will out themselves. The fact that you don't pay attention to the lies and the smear campaign will anger the narcissist. They know it works best when you react as you appear to look crazy and match the narcissist slanderous words so rise above and heal yourself remember you cannot control what the narcissist does you cannot control what the narcissist flying monkeys think of you you can just work on talking kindly to yourself work on losing judgment work on um, your self-doubts work on your insecurities those who judge have their own insecurities those who cling to gossip have their own flaws and faults don't blame the fly monkeys most are unwittingly under the narcissist spell with the narcissist poison infecting them like a virus they are being manipulated just like you once were do not judge them just leave them be a narcissist will always be stuck with themselves, repeating their same pattern of destructive behavior. You can and you will walk free from this. I shall add the links in the description where you can find me on social media. Um, I shall also add the links of the courses that I have available. Um I'll add some videos into the description. I'll add a video on the fly monkeys um, because that explains a bit more about those and a video on the narcissist enablers. Um, I'll add a video on triangulation and the video on financial abuse to help give you more understanding of these sorts of things and the patterns of behaviour. And I know I've lived a smear campaign. I know it's incredibly difficult while you live in it. But the more you focus on you and your life, which is difficult when they're running around your head rent free. So pattern interrupts. I'll have the video to pattern interrupts in the description as well. But the more you focus on your life and the less you focus on them, what they're up to, their games, the smear campaign, the more you're taking yourself out of that picture, the less the narcissist has got to go on, the less the narcissist can do. And as they are all about control and dominance, 
and attention. The less attention they are receiving from you, the more they will begin to look elsewhere for that attention. If anyone has any help of how they manage to handle a smear campaign, please add it into the comments because you never know who else that might help. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. My name is Sam Vaknin, and I'm the author of Malignant Self-Love, Narcissism Revisited. If all else fails, the abuser recruits friends, colleagues, mates, family members, the authorities, institutions, neighbors, the media, teachers, in other words, third parties, to do his bidding. The abuser uses them to cajole, coerce, threaten, stalk, offer, retreat, tempt, seduce, harass, communicate, or otherwise manipulate his target. The abuser controls these unaware instruments exactly as he plans to control his ultimate prey. In both cases, he employs the same mechanisms and the same devices. And he dumps his props unceremoniously when the job is done. One form of control by proxy is to engineer situations in which abuse is inflicted on third, another person. Such carefully crafted scenarios of embarrassment and humiliation are meant to provoke social sanctions, condemnation, opprobrium, or even physical punishment against the victim. Society, or social group in this case, become the instruments of the abuser against the victim. Abusers often use other people to do their dirty work for them. These sometimes unwitting accomplices belong to three groups. The first group, is the abuser's social milieu. Some offenders, mainly in patriarchal and misogynist societies, co-opt family members, friends and colleagues into aiding and abetting their abusive conduct. In extreme cases, the victim is held hostage, isolated and with little or no access to funds or transportation. Often the couple's children are used as bargaining chips or leverage in such a dispute. Ambient abuse by the abuser's clan, kin, kith, or village, or neighborhood is rampant. The second group of waiting or unwitting accomplices is the victim's social milieu. Even the victim's relatives, his uh, family members, his friends, his colleagues, they are all amenable to the considerable charm, persuasiveness, and manipulativeness of the abuser, and to his impressive thespian acting skills. The abuser offers a plausible rendition of the events and interprets these events to his favor. Others rarely have a chance to witness an abusive exchange firsthand and at close quarters so as to discern between abuser and victim. In contrast, the victims are often on the verge of a nervous breakdown. They are harassed, uncum, unkempt, irritable, impatient, abrasive, and hysterical. Confronted with this contrast between a polished, self-controlled and suave abuser and his harried casualties, it is easy to reach the wrong, wrong conclusion that the real victim is the abuser. Or another conclusion, that both parties are abusing each other similarly and equally. The praise acts of self-defense, assertiveness, or insistence on her rights are interpreted as aggression, lability, or a mental health problem.
Thus, we come to the third group of accomplices and collaborators, aiders and abettors, the system. The abuser perverts the system. Therapists, marriage counselors, mediators, court-appointed guardians, police officers, judges, they all end up upholding the abuser's version and helping him in further abusing his victims. Abuser uses them to pathologize the victim and to separate her from her sources of emotional sustenance, notably from her children, and then from her family, and then from her friends and colleagues. Forms of abuse by proxy include socially isolating and ex excluding the victim by discrediting her through a campaign of malicious rumors, a smear campaign, harassing the victim by using others to stalk her or by charging her with offenses she did not commit, provoking the victim into aggressive or even antisocial conduct by having others threaten her or her loved ones, colluding with others to render the victim dependent on the abuser. But by far, the victim's children are the abuser's greatest source of leverage over his abused sp spouse or mate. There is a video in this channel dedicated to how the abuser leverages the children in his dispute with his victims. Be sure to watch it. I'm the author of Malignant Self-Love, Narcissism Revisited. Ambient abuse, also known as gaslighting, is the stealth, subtle, underground current of maltreatment that sometimes goes unnoticed even by the victim herself until it is too late. Ambient abuse penetrates and permeates everything, but it is difficult to pinpoint and identify. Gaslighting is ambiguous, equivocal, atmospheric, diffuse, hence its insidious and pernicious effects. It is by far the most dangerous kind of abuse there is. Ambient abuse or gaslighting, they are the outcomes of fear. Fear of violence, fear of the unknown, fear of the unpredictable, the capricious, the arbitrary, the pending. Ambient abuse is perpetrated by dropping subtle hints, by disorienting, by constant and unnecessary lying, by persistent doubting and demeaning, and by inspiring um, an air of unmitigated gloom and doom. Ambient abuse, therefore, is the fostering, the propagation and the enhancement of an atmosphere of fear, of intimidation, of instability, unpredictability, and irritation. There are no acts of traceable, explicit abuse. There are no visible manipulative settings of control. Yet ambient abuse yields an irksome feeling, a kind of disagreeable foreboding, a premonition, a bad omen. It's in the air. In the long term, such an environment erodes the victim's sense of self-worth and self-esteem. Self-confidence is shaken badly. Often the victim adopts a paranoid, or a schizoid stance, keeps away from society, and thus render, renders herself exposed even more to criticism and judgment. 
In ambient abuse, the roles are reversed. The victim is considered by everyone to be mentally deranged and unstable, and the abuser is universally acclaimed as the suffering soul and victim. There are five categories of ambient abuse, and they are often combined in the conduct of the same abuser. First of all, there's inducing disorientation. The abuser causes the victim to lose faith in her ability to manage and to cope with the world and with its demands. She no longer trusts her own senses. Her skills, she doubts her skills, she doubts her strengths, she doubts her family, doubts her friends. She doubts fundamentally the predictability and benevolence of her environment. The abuser subverts the target's focus by disagreeing with her way of perceiving the world, by arguing with her judgment, by disputing the facts of her existence, by criticizing her incessantly, and by offering plausible, but specious, wrong, fallacious alternatives. The abuser constantly lies, and by constantly lying, he blurs the line between reality and nightmare. By recurrently disapproving of her choices and actions, the abuser shreds the victim's self-confidence and shatters her self-esteem. By reacting disproportionately to the slightest mistake she makes, he intimidates her to the point of paralysis. Second type of gaslighting is incapacitating. The abuser gradually and surreptitiously takes over functions and chores previously adequately and skillfully performed by the victim. The victim finds herself isolated from the outer world, a hostage to the goodwill, or more often the ill will, of the abuser, of her captor. She is crippled by his encroachment and by the in, in, inexorable dissolution of her boundaries, and she ends up totally dependent on her tormentor's whims and desires, plans and strategies. She needs his permission to go out to the world and to interact with anyone. Moreover, the abuser engineers impossible, dangerous, and unpredictable situations that are unprecedented or highly specific. And in these situations, he makes sure that he is sorely needed. The abuser leverages his knowledge, his skill, his connections, or his traits as the only applicable and the most useful ones in the situations that he himself has engineered. The abuser generates thus his own indispensability and fosters in the victim growing dependence. The third type of ambient abuse is what is known as shared psychosis, or previously it was called folie à deux in French. The abuser creates a fantasy world, and in this fantasy, uh, this fantasy world is inhabited by himself and by his victim, and it is besieged by imaginary enemies invented by the abuser. He allocates to the abused, to the victim, the role of defending this invented and surreal universe. She must swear to secrecy. She must stand by her abuser no matter what. She must lie, fight, pretend, obfuscate, and do whatever it takes to preserve this oasis of inanity and insanity. Her membership in the abuser's kingdom is cast as a privilege and a prize, but it is not to be taken for granted. She has to work hard to earn her continued affiliation in his world. She is constantly being tested and evaluated by the abuser. Inevitably, this interminable stress reduces the victim's resistance and her ability to see straight. The fourth type of 
ambient abuse involves the abuse or misuse of information. From the first moment of an encounter with another person, the abuser is on the prowl. He collects information. The more he knows about his potential victim, the better he able he is to coerce, to manipulate, to charm, to extort, to convert the victim. The abuser does not hesitate to misuse the information he had gleaned, regardless of its intimate na nature or the circumstances in which he, has, he had obtained the information. This is a powerful tool. Finally, there is control by proxy. If all the previous tactics fail, the abuser recruits friends, colleagues, mates, family members, the authorities, institutions, neighbors, the media, teachers, anyone, any third party, to do his bidding. He uses these people and institutions to cajole, to coerce, to threaten, to stalk, to, to offer, to retreat, to tempt, to convince, to harass, to communicate, and otherwise, in other words, to manipulate his target. He controls his unaware people and instruments exactly as he plans to control his ultimate prey. He employs the same mechanisms and devices to move his third parties and proxies around as he does later to uh, order the victim around. And he dumps his props unceremoniously when the job is done. Another form of control by proxy is to engineer situations in which the victim is forced to abuse a third party. Such carefully crafted scenarios of embarrassment and humiliation provoke inevitably social sanctions. So the victim is condemned uh, or even physically punished. Society or a social group thus become the instrument of, instruments of the abuser. He first provokes the victim into socially unacceptable behavior and then he uses society to punish the victim. Today, we are going to talk about mind war and gang stalking. Uh, some people don't want that information put out there, but we will prevail. And by hook or by crook, I will make sure that you get this information. Now, everyone knows about gangs. We all know about gangs, inner city ones, Crips and Bloods, MS-13, and so on. And everyone has heard about stalking uh, and the various types, the lonely or psychopathic person who stalks somebody else or the middle or high school type of cyber stalking online or vice versa. But gang stalking that we're going to talk about today is very much more sinister than any and all of that put together. Organized stalking, gang stalking or vigilante stalking, and of course, harassment under the color of law. Well, the best way to explain this phenomenon is to let you all hear it straight from the mouth of an individual who has experienced this personally. I am going to start reading from a document entitled State-Sponsored Terror Campaigns, The Hidden Evil by Mark Rich. And Mr. Rich says, what is it? Organized stalking is a well-organized occult form of covert harassment used against an individual. It is done by large groups of people who systematically and repeatedly harass 
individual. The people who participate are usually under the impression that they need to keep an eye on a targeted person or drive them out of town for wrongdoings. It often encompasses the use of directed energy weapons, such as microwave harassment. This can be a for-hire organized harassment service. These groups usually operate throughout North America and Europe and exhibit cult-like characteristics. They usually have local numbers ranging in the hundreds. This has also been caused cause stalking, gang stalking, community-based harassment, organized vigilante stalking, vengeance stalking, terrorist stalking, revenge stalking, covert action, state-sponsored harassment, microwave harassment, microwave mind control, etc. All of these labels explain the same basic phenomenon. Now, quoting from a book entitled The New Statements by Linda Blood, she says, Organized vigilante stalking is an occult form of terror slash mind control used against an individual in a malicious attempt to reduce the quality of a person's life so that they will have a nervous breakdown, become incarcerated or institutionalized, experience constant mental, emotional, or physical pain, become homeless, and or commit suicide. It is done using well-orchestrated accusations lies, rumors, bogus investigations, setups, framing, intimidation, overt or covert threats, vandalism, thefts, sabotage, torture, humiliation, emotional terror, directed energy weapons, and general harassment. It is a ganging up by members of the community who follow an organizer and participate in a systematic and ritualistic persecution of an individual. Organized stalking is a destructive criminal program built on deception that exists to serve the intentions of a few who are aware of its true agenda." End quote. Now, Linda Blood had her own experience. She knows how freaky these people are and where they are mentally coming from. Now, it's important to note that not all organized gang and or vigilante stalking is performed by Satanists, as we shall learn. Going back to the document entitled State-Sponsored Terror Campaigns, The Hidden Evil by Mark M. Rich, he says, This hate crime appears to be a combination of early mind control and harassment programs such as COINTELPRO and MKUltra, as well as gang stalking tactics used by the KKK. The objective is to create so much pain in the environment of the person that they are driven to homelessness or suicide. It is used to isolate and remove economical and social support structures and therefore destabilize a person's life with the intent to drive them to suicide. Basically, it's forever. They never leave you alone. You are followed out of the country and there's no way to get away from it. Although it would appear that this is a new phenomenon, it is not. Many tyrannical regimes throughout history have used local harassment games to neutralize dissent. Gang stalking is simply another manifestation of this pattern. Because most counseling centers and therapists deny the existence of these groups, it is impossible to prove just how many cases of depression, anxiety, miscarriage, stillbirth, suicides, and people going postal are caused by them. This is further complicated since many people are unaware that they are host to this type of parasite. The methods reportedly employed in these harassment campaigns, the only difference is that now electronic harassment and experimentation also appear to be more blatantly involved.
The psychological aspect of gang stalking is identical to mobbing. It has the same group dynamics. For this reason, I'll make references to mobbing throughout this document. I'll also explain these shared dynamics later in the document. The mobbing phenomenon has been well documented and studied in other countries for years. However, it is only now beginning to receive attention in North America. When I, and this is of course uh, Mr. Rich uh, speaking here, uh, I'll talk about mobbing. I'm not talking about flash mobbing where hundreds of strangers will communicate via cell phone or email to meet at a public place and perform some type of synchronized act as reported by CNN and other mainstream media. No, the mobbing I'm referring to is committed by multiple people using subtle but repeated harassment which takes place in the workplace and is difficult to prove. It is used to kick a person out of the workplace or even the workforce while leaving little trace. The logic is that it is less of a liability for the organization if you voluntarily leave than if they fire you. In addition, some organizations with sadistic intentions enjoy it as a form of sport harassment as well. So their primary intent might not be to drive a person out of the workforce. For an excellent explanation of how groups of people will not only turn against an individual, but will also participate in the repeated harassment and ultimate destruction of an individual to ensure their own survival, read the book called Mobbing. When researching the mobbing phenomenon, the authors discovered that it also took place out in the community. However, when this type of organized harassment occurs out in public, many of those who are aware of it choose to refer to it as gang stalking and the labels previously mentioned. Now you can think of mobbing as small-scale gang stalking which takes place indoors. Quoting from a book entitled Mobbing, Emotional Abuse in the American Workplace by Elliot Schwartz says, until evil is named, it cannot be addressed. This book names mobbing, a common and bloodless form of workplace mayhem, an insidious and powerful subculture is thriving in the American workplace. Every day, in all sorts of workplaces, mean-spirited mobs are forcing capable, hard-working employees to flee from jobs they love. The mobs intentionally target and ultimately destroy innocent individuals, end quote. Organized stalking is mobbing, which takes place out in the community and is a much wider in scope. Mobbing is also contained within an organized stalking program for targeted people who are actually employed. Some of those who experience mobbing may also be targeted for gang stalking, although they might not be aware of it. Mobbing and organized stalking both employ repeated acts of emotional and psychological violence. If you are experiencing mobbing and are actively seeking employment, you may experience character assassination, which will prevent you from landing another job. If you are also being gang stalked, rumors may be spread about you in the community. These smear tactics work very well. If you are being mobbed and think you're having job opportunities trashed, you are probably correct. It's not necessary for mobbing to proceed gang stalking campaign, but some targeted people have reported they believe their harassment began as mobbing. Mr. Rich says it seems that mobbing may be done as a part of a strategy to promote helplessness and set the stage for poverty if you're also going to be targeted for gang stalking. Mobbing is also an unwritten method used to get rid of people that the organization does not want to terminate and deliver a severance package to. In some cases, the only alternative is to leave with no job lined up. According to the book Mobbing, mobbing sometimes continues even after a person has left an organization. If you will also be targeted for gang stalking, you will most probably be blacklisted at that point as well. Unemployment will bring about your demise much quicker and induce hopelessness, which is one 
objectives of gang stalking. The mechanism for mobbing is already in place in some corporations, as is the organized stalking program on an international level. Just because someone is targeted for mobbing does not necessarily mean they will also be gang stalked. Mobbing may just be isolated to the work environment. Now, the process of organized stalking and mobbing seems to work best when the target is unaware or in denial that they are being targeted. I call it a process because it seems to have a progression from the start. The more conscious you are of the progression, the better you'll be able to survive it. While there are many similarities regarding the tactics people experience, there are sometimes differences with who they believe is responsible for their harassment. Each case is different. However, many targets believe that this type of systematic harassment cannot occur with the state without the state condoning it. So this document focuses primarily on state-sanctioned type of terrorism, mainly terrorism carried out by a federal agency, which is also the origin, or carried out by a federal agency on behalf of a corporation, an individual, or a group with connections. One reason that these cause stalking groups are successful is because they operate in secrecy. The leaders are counting on you not being able to face the horror of this epidemic. When you make someone aware of organized stalking, they are presented with a choice. They can believe you or they can deny that it exists. Some people don't have the constitution to acknowledge insanity of this magnitude. This type of denial is probably an unconscious protection mechanism that activates in order to prevent a nervous breakdown. Organized vigilante stalking is an enterprise run by field leaders who rally groups which contain hundreds of people to repeatedly harass individuals with the intent to drive them to suicide. I believe that most federal law enforcement officers do not engage in harassing citizens. Some of them may be aware of the destructive activities taking place within their agency, but since it is condoned from higher up, there is not much they can do. Those familiar with gang stalking may explain the, the main components of this phenomenon in a different manner, but I have broken it down to three major components. The three basic components are number one, sponsorship and support that provides funding and uses its influence to allow the harassment to take place. Number two, groups of individuals that engage in cause stalking. Number three, directed energy weapons or DEW harassment. The funding of some of these terrorist stalking campaigns come from corporations who use them to stalk enemies or potential enemies. The sponsorship and influence may originate from the same sources such as a federal agency. Apparently, the sponsorship may also come from a corporation, a group, or an individual that uses, which is paid for, the influence of a federal agency. These field supervisors basically use their resources and influence as an engine to carry out these harassment campaigns. The people who carry out contracts for organized stocking represents the interests of people who supply their funding. Well, of course. In the past, these, uh, some of these federal agencies have subsidized, directed, and protected many of these types of vigilante groups. They're able to recruit neighbors, friends, and family of the target to participate in the harassment. This is done by using lies, threats, blackmail, and bribery. During COINTELPRO, these agencies included neighbors, friends, families, employers, landlords, religious organizations, and their bogus investigations, i.e. harassment campaigns. 
Now, I would like to also uh, uh, put out here that <clears throat> it's not just those people, but also uh, cable installers, plumbers, you know, any kind of service personnel uh, that you may hire that come into your house can also uh, be a part of this. So keep that in mind also. He continues by saying contracts are put out on targets in retired military, law enforcement, sheriff, and other paramilitary personnel place bids on these contracts. The structure resembles a compartmentalized pyramid. It consists of followers who participate in harassment, the leaders or field supervisors who corral them, and financial support at the top of the structure. At the bottom of the structure, the cost outwardly appears constructive. It offers fellowship to people who participate and most believe that their cause serves a higher purpose. The compartmentalized pyramid system keeps the organizers and their financiers shielded from group activity. It also keeps the community members at the bottom of the structure ignorant as to the group's true intentions. The identity of the leaders of these groups may not be known to group members for reasons of national security. With federal influence, the passing of the USA Patriot Act, unlimited resources, and a vast pool of groups to draw from, these harassment campaigns can be devastating. They are also growing rapidly. The closest thing to this type of organized harassment has been COINTELPRO, but this is different. This new COINTELPRO is much more intense. Some journalists believe that COINTELPRO is back due to the loosening of laws that present, prevented this type of abuse, end quote. Well, the question, of course, we have to ask ourselves is why? Okay, well, there are actually several reasons. Number one, the U.S. military has all these nifty psychotronic and psychotronic weapons that they need to test out. And they choose individuals, individual citizens, to test them out upon. And individuals will never be believed by counselors or sometimes even families that they're being stalked or harassed by unnamed persons. We're talking about the reasons why people are gang stalked. I mean, why would anybody do this to another person? Well, we talked about uh, the U.S. military needs to test out their weapons. Now, um, they have chosen just random people to see what will happen, uh, and they use specific people to see how far they can ruin this person's life and what works and what doesn't. We're going to talk about vigilantism and abuse of power reasons. And if you upset somebody in the power structure, well, they can descend to you, as we mentioned before. Uh, they can have a contract put out on you, and certain people will bid on that contract. Uh, you make somebody angry, then you have the vigilantism aspect. Other people who are experiencing gang stalking can know that, no, you're not alone. I mean, this happens. Uh, uh, it is beyond just the wish for campaigns, which is, uh, you know, the slander around the community. You know, it's good to uh, for everyone out there to know that you are not alone. If you have uh, these bizarre and disturbing things happening to you, uh, it, it's not necessarily random. I mean, everybody has bad experiences uh, during the day, uh, from day to day, and that doesn't mean that you are being gang stalked. But if these things are happening with a pattern, you know, start documenting them, um, and there, there may be a reason that you don't even know about. If you, with the understanding you have acquired today, realize that these things are happening to you, please know right now that you are not crazy, you are not insane, and you are not alone in this. Um, I have looked up some resources for uh, people who are 
uh, being subjected to this. Okay, there are groups online you can go to in order to see that the same things are happening to you are happening to other people. Okay, and learn how other people have learned to cope. That is to stay sane through all of this. We all need to learn as much as we can about both the electronic harassment and the physical harassment techniques. Again, the, the main thing is everybody needs to do their own research. And I know that uh, the information that I have presented today is highly disturbing, but uh, we need to know this, okay? There are a lot of things going on in the world that we would rather not look at. You can learn for yourself. And once you learn, you know knowledge is power. Vigilante stalking and the covert use of advanced electronic weapons on vigilante stalking targets is basically the use of lies, again lies, to motivate networked groups of citizens to destroy the lives of their innocent targets. These programs are about the ongoing efforts to expose this activity and hopefully to stop it. There are literally thousands of websites providing information about these crimes. Most of my uh, harassment has been gang stalking. Harassment uh, things that tools that are used. And uh, sleep deprivation is one, isolation is another one, and sometimes even um, uh, pushing people into poverty by not allowing them to, to work is another one. There's, these are very basic. One of the goals is to make the uh, targeted individual feel like they're the only one in the whole world and they're probably mentally ill and they need to be on psychoactive drugs that can destroy their brain cells or have other horrible effects that are irreversible. And the thing they need to learn is probably there's a good chance that uh, they have a gang on them. And it's not one gang. It depends on where they go as to which gang it is. And so it's a sad fact that as the economies uh, just, you know, just kind of uh, disintegrate, people can make money doing gang stalking and supplement their income. That's what's happening. It's spreading. Yes, and I, I think you have had reports uh, from people who called you that uh, there, there have been cases where perps are prevented from finding work just so they can be forced into doing uh, crime against others. Well, yes, I did observe that, that in one very nice person that I thought would never turn uh, into a perp, but after having the job opportunities jerked away from them repeatedly and, and having uh, uh, financial obligations to take care of, they finally gave up. And later on, after they were trained in, about, you know, about six months or a year later, I, I was just sort of musing out loud, saying, why would, you know, I, they knew what was going on, and so I said, you know, this is really the dirty thing to do to somebody. Why would anybody do this to somebody? So hopeless. You know, it's so hopeless. If you don't have a job, you're going to be homeless. Then you're going to look incompetent and lazy. So they use this against people to, to pressure them into becoming perps. And, and, and another thing that I have heard over uh, through the hotline is that they also they threaten to do things to their children if they don't join in. So uh, there's all kinds of ways that you can get to just about anybody in the world. Uh, people have their limits. 
and especially in the society that we've set up here, it requires so much money to live, to keep a roof over your head and in a decent place and all of that, that you have to keep this income going all the time. And uh, if, you, if there's a break in it, it doesn't take very long that you're looking at being in the street. And it uh, seems to be specifically designed that way. And they take full advantage, don't they? Oh, they take full advantage to pressure people. And in fact, it looks like they're just trying to line up uh, two fights here, perps and targets, and, and uh, uh, so that uh, if you're not with them, you're against them. If you're not a perp, you're going to be a target. And uh, this is the kind of a, a very destructive to society type of thing and to the family. They turn family members against each other. I think they're also can use mind control to bust up marriages. Uh, and it has nothing to do with uh, feminism. It has to do with what they do with their brains. Uh, and, uh, uh, it's a, a mind control that they can use. It. The technology is something that only uh, these people have. We don't know that we have, but we there are technologies out there that are far beyond what we know and that uh, are not known to most people unless they're specially trained in them. Yes, indeed. And Alan Watt was mentioning that uh, in secret societies, uh, college professor level is considered the lowest level of knowledge. And uh, so the average college professor will laugh at you if you tell them this stuff is happening, even though it is the truth. Um, I've heard from several people over my years uh, being in activism uh, that they find that when they approach their partner, they suddenly find that their partner instantly becomes repulsive to them. And uh, that the way they describe it is it's a form of mind control. It's just like being hypnotized and commanded that the, the person standing there is repulsive. Well, I think that's one of the methods they use, definitely. And also, I do believe that uh, our society moving as fast as it is and requiring that everybody work two jobs to pay the mortgage and everything is another factor there that stacked, the deck is stacked against the family that way, too. Sometimes they just cause the passion to go out of the marriage. One or, one or the other partner will, usually the male, uh, simply isn't interested anymore. And, and then here comes a floozy, and all of a sudden he's interested again. He thinks he's alive again, you know, and uh, has fallen out of love with his wife and all of that. So they use every trick. If one trick doesn't work, they just go to another. They yes. change what people do. They change when they do it. That is how they, they work it. That's how they can influence. There's a lot of influence that can be happening. You, you know, you can't take a normal person and make them want to stab somebody very easily. But you can take a normal person, and they normally call certain people. You can change when they call them to disrupt their day. And then nobody knows the difference. Very, very seldom do they ever know the difference. In fact, the telephone is the most effective uh, isolation tool that the perpetrators have in uh, that they can uh, control when people call and they can make them, they can re re um, reroute the phone calls if they want to. 
Um, if you have calls coming in to your answering machine and you're not getting the messages, and you're not going to call those people back and they're going to think that you don't want to talk to them. This is a good isolation tool. And again, if you even if you don't have an answering machine, if you have caller ID, you're getting calls and people and you don't return them because you don't see those numbers on there because they're selectively erased because the perps are the best telephone hackers in the world. And so you don't return those folks' calls and they just think, well, I've called and called and called and she just doesn't want to talk to me. And so that isolates you. That's one of the best tools of isolation for the perps is the telephone. And we normally think of the telephone as being something to keep us connected with people, but they can turn it around and they can make it where it isolates you. And that is how they do it, by making people call at the wrong time and by selectively erasing your messages and uh, your uh, caller ID numbers popping up. So you would suggest then that a, a target um, uh, always call back regardless whether they're expecting a message or not, just to be sure that one wasn't missed? Well, I, I, I think the target should uh, touch base with everybody they know every once in a while because uh, if they can erase the caller ID number off, off your caller ID pad, you're not even going to know these people called you. And they may be calling, 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 trying to get you to go somewhere with them or try to, trying to inform you of something. I also recommend that do away with answering machines, do away with call notes. Don't have any of them because all they are is an isolation tool. The perps will selectively erase certain messages so that you are isolated from your, your, most, your best supporters. That's what, that's what we, are, we are hearing from people. And I've heard uh, that uh, they can even go a little further and they can uh, actually imitate somebody and, and pretend to be somebody they're not. Now, that, that doesn't apply to people close to the target like their family members, but certainly a business call or something like that, they often uh, jump in and intercept a call and pretend to be a business and say, yes, well, we'll send your order out tomorrow. In fact, the business never got the order. That's true. We're having reports of that. Uh, as, as well as some people have reported that some calls were, uh, they got were imitated. The voices were imitated and they called the person and said, you called me and you said this and the person absolutely denies it. And probably uh, the perps uh, have figured out how to imitate so many people's voices. It's causing total chaos in the communication over the telephone. And, and, and it messes up, you know, it messes up a whole lot of things. It messes up everything. And your experiences with email are even worse, aren't they? Well, email, and this is not just my email, it's a lot of activists uh, report that some of the time-sensitive email arrives after the date that they can respond. And it's usually related to activism or, or something, and Target has this a lot. And they also, it also happens with their snail mail as well. It's communication. Again, isolating the person by simply interfering with communication. Indeed. And they, uh, the, the perps change the mix every once in a while, and why, we don't know. We have no clue as to why they, they change the things that they do. However, there have been a lot of reports from people uh, over the hotline that they wake up at the same time every night. They, you know, they look over at the alarm clock and it's 11:11, or it's exactly 3:41 or something. It might have a meaning to them or something, 
we don't know why they do it or what happens, you know. But uh, that is one of the symptoms. And these are so subtle that people don't even recognize it as targeting. Another thing, Swen, that you mentioned on your site is what we call it is synchronized activity. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, it's basically what you just described. There are callers who say that uh, when they do get up in the middle of the night, there is a car passing by. They're normally dead in streets sometimes. We just know that they want to synchronize things with the target because when a target talks about that kind of a thing, they sound like paranoid schizophrenics. So that, this is all designed to make them look mentally ill when they're not. Yes, I'd have to say that in my case and a few others, um, I've had uh, skits put on where for maybe a few weeks, uh, one particular uh, uh, guy in an apartment near mine would actually step outside his door and turn his key in the lock at exactly the same time I did that uh, while on the way to work. And, and I wasn't that, uh, that regular either because uh, when these things happen, I've always been lived very close to where I work and often going early. So I was doing this at random times. And it was it was exactly the same uh, on say three days a week for maybe six weeks, and it was it was a mind blowing incident. Uh, these guys would get to the elevator exactly the same time I did, and uh, the only way I got around it was simply to use the stairs uh, because it, it got to be kind of a mind game after a while. This is how they do these things, to make the targeted individual look nuts. And uh, it, it's not that easy to do it because, here again, they step out of the paradigm. They step out of what people normally believe. People believe that the only time somebody would come into your house is to steal something of value, like your TV or your VCR. If they come in and they move something around and the TV and VCR are left behind, lo and behold, you must be a mental case. Couldn't be anybody to go to that much trouble to do that. Why would anybody do that? You're not important. You've never worked on a secret government case of any kind. You've never done anything to anybody. So therefore, it means you're a mail case. Yes, it means working. It's, it's just it's phenomenal. Yes, it is. It, it, it means that uh, that you're not important enough to have this be happening to you. And, and listeners, that's that's how they're getting away with it. They know that you don't consider uh, little nobodies uh, important enough to have this happen to them, so they can do it with impunity. And and you will never believe us normally uh, until you visit our sites, talk to us, listen to listen to this show and others. Um, but this is the truth. Actually, folks have absolutely no way to believe it until it starts happening to them. Then that gets their attention. If they think it might be happening to them, they'll, they'll start listening pretty quick and pretty hard, you know? Indeed. Um, so that's, that's just it. It's very difficult to... It doesn't fit the paradigm. It doesn't fit what we know of crooks. But that needs to change. Yes. So, Anne, there's some interesting information on your site here for uh, testing 
to see if you're being targeted and you, you quote some interesting cases. Here's one, uh, quoting from your site, it says, be aware of your conversation in your home. While working on a project, did you say, I need number 10 three quarter inch flathead screws? And then you arrive at the store to find all the screw bins full except the number 10 three quarter inch flathead screw bin, which was completely empty. Well, that's true. Um, and that has come over the hotline from several reports. It's not just the screws in the screw bin. It could be uh, the orange Gatorade. You know, it's obvious the shells were just stocked up. You were, you, you said, hey, I, I, we're out of orange Gatorade. You got to go get some. Put that on the list. You get there, and every kind of Gatorade in the world is on the shelf. And there's a big empty space where the orange Gatorade is or was. Uh, I get a lot of reports of that. Uh, or the shampoo that say, oh, I got to get my shampoo or the soap or whatever it is. Uh, it seems like they're just suddenly out of stock, and everything else is stocked up to the ceiling. And um, so there's a lot of reports of that kind of a thing. So if you've said that out loud in your home, and you don't need a bug finder to know that, hey, your house is bugged or something. Somehow they're hearing it. Yes, indeed, and I, I can report, too, that I've been a target for 25 years, and <clears throat> being in engineering, uh, I often inherited the job of going to the hardware store for various companies I worked with, and uh, it would happen to me so many times I can't count them, probably a thousand times in my 25 years of uh, being a target. Um, I would, uh, in many cases, I wouldn't even say it to anyone. I'd, I'd simply... Uh, uh, measure up a job, decide what's wanted, uh, just write out a list, and when I got to the hardware store, just those items on my list were all out. Well, this listeners is how petty these mind games uh, uh, get. Um, Actually, it had a purpose. They were trying to get us to fight with each other to have our space crowded by each other like they crowd people's spaces in the grocery stores. They're continually stepping into the target space in the grocery stores. Isn't that true? You uh, you mentioned that many times uh, you have to use your cart to block the aisle. I used to have to do that. Because but then, but then when I started wearing the T-shirt and the flyers, and they didn't want anybody stepping in my face, they didn't want anybody around me. You know, you know, right. it's just different. But I just wanted to let the listeners know that uh, that Sue Ann reported that um, that these guys would squeeze past her if she contact. Yes. Yes. Until I started thinking real hard, like I'm going to slap the fire out of them and call them a masher. You know, and then, and then that's about two. Yes. They, they count on people not defending themselves. They want people who will be a willing victim, who will get comfortable with their level of torture. And if you're not going to do that, they can find others who will. There's plenty out there, plenty of them. Don't want to make way, you know. So. I, I know very well. Um, Let's see. I, I'm just, it's difficult. If you recall, years ago, there was an experiment done with, with rats, 
in which they crowded them all together, and then after a while, they all went berserk, started, you know, killing each other, trampling all over each other. It's basically the same thing, but most of the time, they don't have to even touch you. If they even come within a certain circumference of you, they are intruding into your space, and it's not normal. People don't normally do this. They can normally wait till you move on down the aisle to get what they want. And if they're standing there getting in your space and they can't wait two seconds for you to move on down the aisle, they're a person. You know, and there are ways of, you know, if they're going to do that, well, then you can be scouting the place for other victims. Just to see who else they're doing it to. Wear your T-shirt. Bring your flyers. You know? And, and be, be watching other people. What are they doing to other people? They're doing this to somebody else. They're not just doing it to you. We don't know what goes through their mind. You know. We certainly don't because it's very difficult to understand uh, someone who's extremely mentally ill, and clearly these perpetrators are. 